Hey, welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope it encourages you and reminds you that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. Come on, somebody praise God. Hey, so impressive. You did it. You're here. Happy New Year, everyone. You can say it back. Come on. There we go. Hey, come on, stand on your feet. Uh, We are beginning a series today, first day of 2023. We're beginning a series that's really been, it's been working and something that we've been talking about and praying towards as a staff and something the Lord put in my heart um, before the hurricane even. And it's a series entitled Generations. And I want us to look at the scriptures where God reveals himself as a generational God. And it, it, it's amazing, even he, the family of God in the Old Testament referred to him as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This God that works through family lines, that works through this relational line. And there's so many, you know, negative places that, that we can look and so many things that we can look around and we can see and go, oh my gosh, it looks so bad out there. But, but I want your hearts encouraged because I want you to know this. God knew it would look the way that it does. And he said, I have the right person to live at the right time. I've purposed for you to live in this time that the gospel would have the right vehicle to go through. That's what he says when he looks at you. His purpose finds you today to be a carrier of the gospel. And so we're not going to dwell on the negative stuff. We're going to look and see how God moves through our lives. And I want you to, to, to take this statement and to grab onto it because it, it is this place of continual learning that, that we come back to, that the work of God forming the image of Christ in us is for the sake of others. The image of Christ for the sake of others. He, he works in our lives, and he does so, so that everyone around us would be the beneficiaries that they would know and there would be hope in the midst of darkness. David gives us this generational picture in Psalm chapter 78. We're going to read seven verses. It says this, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might, the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so they should set their hope in God And not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we come to you today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart, those joining us online. Lord, those in the room, that that every heart would hear your voice, inviting them to know you in a fresh way this year. So we open our hearts to you. 
We worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, this is, this is something that we do periodically throughout the year, but we will be synced up throughout all our ministries. And so Pastor Mike in youth ministry, he, he's in, we're in the same series. And so we've been talking about this, praying about this. Uh, Pastor Chantel and young adults, Pastor Jared and Pastor Jess in children's ministry. We've been synced up with this. And so we're all on the same deal. So when you leave and you go pick up your kids from Ocean Kids, go in there and say, hey, what'd you learn today? Because you know. And you'll be able to catch them if they say, oh, Jesus, this, Moses, that. God's going to hit you with a baseball bat. <laughs> so uh, this last week, we had something really fun that we did as a family. We took uh, all six of our kids and, and I grew up as, a, as an Oklahoma Sooner football fan, and so we took all six of our kids, and it just so happened that the Sooners had a bowl game in Orlando. And so on Thursday this last week, we loaded up, all eight of us, drove to Orlando, and, and had an absolute blast at, at the game. And, and uh, this has been a, 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 a different year. Oklahoma has a, has a, usually has a high standard of, of winning, and, and this year they've lost a bunch of games. It's been a different year. And a little backstory to that, they were undefeated, and um, they invited me to come preach to the team. And so earlier this year, I, I went and flew to Oklahoma and, and had Anna and, and Zoe, our oldest, with me. And, um, and got to just preach the gospel to, to the, the football team. And it was awesome. I had a great time with that. And they went out and promptly lost their first game <laughs> of the year. And Zoe has not looked at me the same since. She's a big football fan. She's like, Dad, what did you do to my team? How could you do this? <laughs> so anyway, we, we get to the game and... And we were close to, to the band, and so you, there was a small contingent of Oklahoma fans around us. And so it was so fun to, to look down the row and watch my kids learn the mannerisms and, and some of the traditional cheers that, that the Sooners have. And, and they're doing the OU, and, and they're, they're cheering, and they're going crazy when they score touchdowns. And, and it was a really exciting game. They lost in the end. And... and and, and so some of them cried, and it was really, really special. Like Anna and I had a blast just seeing just this, this connective place with our kids, something that was being passed down. I have great memories of listening to, to football games with my dad, because when I grew up, it wasn't on TV. I was laying in front of a speaker listening to it on the radio, <laughs> And, and so it was very, very different. So it, just this connective place was really, really special. And yet, I, I wonder, and really the question that, that comes to my heart and my mind is, am I connecting and passing down to my children the right things? Now, that, that's a wonderful thing. Football's great. It's great family tradition, and, and we had a blast, and, and it, was, it was great. But I want to make sure that, that the important places in life and the important places that God has designated, and he has said, I, I've created you for, for my truth, 
to flow through you in generational format. I want to be intentional that I don't miss passing on to my kids what God has done in Anani's life. Are you, are you here today? Are you, are you awake? You with me? And so these, these are the places. I just want your heart stirred up a little bit. I, I don't want this to be a rah-rah message. And, and the analogy that I want to give you is, you know, Luke captures Mary when the angel comes to her. And we, we just came through Christmas time. And so the Christmas story is, is fresh in our minds. Luke captures Mary, and it says that, that Mary, when the angel spoke to her, pondered these things in her heart. That, that she took the words that God was speaking to her, and she just held on to them, and she said, I'm, I'm going to marinate on this. I'm not just going to respond immediately. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this inside and let you speak to me, God. I'm going to take this as part of my life. And you contrast that with what we see every time that, that we, we see Jesus preaching and there's crowds. And every time you see in Scripture where it says the crowds were amazed, you really can substitute the word mindless. And it's this picture because it's the same crowds that were amazed and saying, Hosanna, you're amazing. Just a few moments and days later, they were saying, crucify him, crucify him. Because it's the difference between taking the words that God has for us and bringing them inside and really applying them to our lives and our heart or just transferring energy, receiving and responding. Receiving, it's no different than being at a concert and taking the energy and jumping around. You're, you're, you're receiving energy, you're transferring energy instead of pondering and bringing it in. And so... I, I want our hearts in this place where we're saying, God, what are you, what are you saying to me as I begin this year? It, isn't it funny that even in, in the day that we live where there's so much pushback against the gospel that everybody stopped and enjoyed a break and enjoyed a holiday and enjoyed getting gifts all around the message of the gospel? Isn't it incredible? I didn't hear any news reports of atheists saying, we are boycotting Christmas. I don't want the vacation. I don't want the break from work. I don't want you to give me any gifts because I am opposed to the foundation of this. It's amazing that, that across the world, the calendar of people's lives were, was adjusted this way. And this gets to the, to the heart of, of where I want us to be. And we're going to stay in this place all the way through the first week of February. And we're going to follow what, what the, the beliefs. And so each week, I want to give you a, a doctrinal belief that is, that is central to who we are as followers of Christ, central to, to passing down and, and to, to influencing those around us with, sharing with those around us. And then I want to give us a practice of how we apply sharing, passing down, allowing God to speak what he's done through us. And so we're going to do that through the, through the lens of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Jacob's son, Joseph. We see God as a generational God creating and growing his family, and he's going to do the same with us. You know, I think one of the things that, that we, we, we 
have to grab a hold of in embracing something like this and saying, Lord, what do you want to do with my lives? What does it look like for 2023 to be a year that is marked by your influence, your work in my lives? It's so important that we just say, Lord, nothing's off limits. Nothing's off limits. So part of the research that that I've done and just some of the study that I've done, I've looked at different groups, really asking the question, what groups have endured? What, What groups across the world do an incredible job of passing down who they are to the next generation, passing down and keeping, protecting their belief system, their, their values, their traditions. What, what groups have done a phenomenal job with that? And I'm going to give you just a, just a little bit of, of context of, of where we are today. You know, one of the most negative uh, um, the stats that you can hear right now is that in the American church, 80% of kids that are active in church upon finishing high school, never return to active place in the church, 80%. You, you, you can see stats that, that we are the, 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 the generation today is the least saved generation that we have had. The, the, the smallest number of, of the younger generation that knows the saving power of Jesus Christ. And we can look at that and we can say, oh my gosh, what do we do? We're going to go back to where we started and say, God, you designed and created and purposed for me to live in this. So I'm not going to be in fear about any of that. I'm going to step into who you've called me to be in the midst of that. Can you say amen? Because it's you. This is who God's called us to be, to to embrace this time and this season and, and to do what he's called us to do. Um. If you've been with us, you know a hero of mine is a, is a pastor, and it was a, a Lutheran pastor in Nazi Germany named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer, he, he created and, and, and grew a seminary at the onset, right when Hitler was coming into power and right when his policies were, were being enforced. And Bonhoeffer saw what was happening, and what he did was he, he took a group of young people, and he created this seminary in an area called Finkelbaum. And in this seminary, he was very intense about the schedule of their lives. So much so that he had a friend that says, he said, Dietrich, you're being too intense. What are you doing? You're too hardcore with this. And so Dietrich took him on a hike, and, and they went and, and hiked up on the top of a hill that overlooked the Hitler youth camp, the nearest Hitler youth camp. And, and Dietrich said this. He, Pastor Bonhoeffer pointed at that and, and then pointed at the seminary, and he said, the seminary, this must be stronger than that. And, and we're in a moment. You know, Richard Dawkins wrote a book called The God Delusion, And in that, he really pushed back on the idea that parents should have this great influence with their kids. And I want you to understand that the plan of the enemy is not that we broaden knowledge and we broaden the exposure to different ideas. The plan of the enemy is that he has first crack with his ideas. 
And so when we start pushing into these places and saying, God has created us to live with the power of God and live with boldness, unashamed, we're not going to be passive in these times and going like, well, I'm just, just going to do my thing and stay in my prayer closet. No, God's called us to live with boldness in this day and age. Because what is in you is the light that a desperate, dark world is looking for. And that's what's in you. So we're going to walk through this. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And, and really there, there are, are distinct doctrinal tenets that, that we're going to cover. You know, I, I had originally planned to, to get into to Abraham uh, this morning. And, and as I prepared and prayed, I was like, I can't get past the introduction. So we'll do Abraham next week. We'll get into that next week. We're going to stay and just set, set the, the, the tone for how we're going to approach this. I want you to look at this in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is some of God's charge to his people. That, that he is instructing them on what it looks like to follow him. What it looks like, because I'm at this place where, you know, Zoe's our oldest, Zoe's 13, and uh, we, we go down to eight years old, and, and so we have our kids, and, and I'm looking at this, and, and if you're a parent, you're not up for negotiation. You're not up for saying, well, you know, four out of six serving God is okay. That's a good ratio. This is not baseball. I, I, I'm not okay going like, yeah, you know, half. If half of my kids are walking with the Lord, know his goodness, lives built on him. No, I'm not negotiating that. I'm not going to negotiate with the enemy. I, I want to know that each one of my kids have their lives built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I'm not always going to be there, but he's always going to be there. His faithfulness never runs out. So God tells his people this in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'm going to read through verse 8. It says, These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. Be careful to obey, then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads, forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So, so God gives his picture, uh, this picture of life for his people. And it, and it brings us to this place like how, how willing are we to allow God to speak to the calendar of our lives. Now, New Year's Eve is a, is a great day. It's wonderful to, to celebrate. 
And um, somehow the calendar of my life has been also about football on New Year's Eve. So I don't want to answer your question, Pastor, did you stay up late and watch the games last night? None of your business. <laughs> you can ask Anna. She will tell you gladly. So we, we, we have these influences around us of, of what dictates our calendar to us. We, we have these markers around us. And what I'm asking us to do is to open our hearts and say, God, I want the calendar of my life to reflect that I am a follower of Jesus. Because this is what I want you to understand is the, the group of people that have done the, the highest, best job that you can, you can look to for years and years, literally centuries back, are the people that obeyed Deuteronomy 6. Like, like I want you to hear me. I, I, I've gone through every people group that you can, you can imagine. And the Jewish people for years and years and years have lived out Deuteronomy 6. To the degree that you can go to Cairo, Egypt, and you will find a synagogue in Cairo, Egypt. And you will find bar mitzvahs happening in Cairo, Egypt. You will have the, 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 the word of God, the Torah, being passed down to the next generation because they've taken this literally. Stronger, better than any other group that we find on the earth. Generation after generation after generation. And let me get ahead of you there. So, Pastor, you, you, if your question is, Pastor Josh, are you going to tell us that we, we need to live by the Jewish calendar? No. That is not what I'm saying. Colossians says this, and we'll look at this in Colossians 3 in a little bit. That, that is not what God is asking us to do. But he is asking us, is the calendar of our lives open to his influence? Well, we allow our lives to revolve around him. You know, one of the things I've really enjoyed in this, this study is, is how all-encompassing that Jewish people bring the relationship with God in. They, they, it's not relegated and segmented to just a, a service on the weekend. It's not relegated to just this moment or even a, a spiritual moment. And even today, they live by a different calendar. And you can go and look and study that the calendar that they go by is not the calendar that we go by. They have lived outside of that calendar. They live by their calendar, and their calendar celebrates and is centered around what God Almighty has done in their lives. It's so fascinating to me. But, but, and this is the place that, that I want our, the Lord to meet us in and just grow our expectations because what, what fills that calendar is not religious tradition. It's feasting. Well, some of you just woke up with that. You're like, it's feasting. Tell me more. It's feasting. It's celebrating. It's times of mourning. It's times of setting, setting aside time to welcome a stranger into your home. Now, if you see this and you go through this, the, 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 uh, 
uh, the eyes of a child. There, there's even a, a time that, that is set aside, and it's set aside in remembrance of how God provided for the Jewish people walking in the wilderness. There's a time that everybody camps outside of their homes, and they live in shelters. I think about that as a kid. Kids are amazing. Like, Anna's so good for me because I, I like orderly, and I like things clean, and and our kids, they are professional fort builders. Like if, there's, if that's ever an occupation, I've, I've got six that are just primed to be at the top level. Kids are incredible. They, they will make a fort out of anything, couch cushions, sheets. Like we have a linen closet, and I'll go upstairs, and I'll see the linen closet is empty, and I'll just go, oh, my gosh. And there will be just a massive fort everywhere. And think about that, as a, as a kid growing up, that as a family, you set aside time looking and, and the, the, what the, the belief that is built and understood in kids' lives is no matter what our home looks like, we have someone that provides and cares for us. It's so powerful. It's so powerful. So I'm simply bringing my heart, and I'm asking you to do the same, bringing this to the Lord, saying, God, we, we don't live by this set of rules and law. You, we've been set free from the law, and yet we do not want to live lives that are subject to the calendar of our own, our own desires and our own wants. We want to invite you into that, that you would lead and guide our lives. And so we're going to open our heart in this way. Deuteronomy 6 continues in verse 20. It says, In the future your children will ask you, what is the meaning of these laws, decrees, and regulations the Lord our God has commanded us to obey? It, it points to this question. I read that and, and say, there should be a time that our kids, those around us, our coworkers, there should be moments in our lives where those around us come to us and say, hey, why do you do that? Why, why is that different about you? Why, why are you so peaceful when everybody else is losing their minds? Why aren't you worried about where the economy's at? Why, why won't you come hang out on Sunday mornings? Why can't we play golf on Sunday mornings? Like, they're, 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 what, I'm, what I'm trying to get ahead of us here is, and put in front of you is, is there a moment? I want to know that there's moments that my kids say, Dad, why do we do this? Why is this different about our lives? You know, reading through the book of Acts, there's this repeating moment with the Apostle Paul where he's preaching the gospel. Sometimes it goes good. Sometimes it doesn't go good. So the times it doesn't go goes good, he, you know, he, he gets run out of town, and he goes to a new town. And there's this repeating moment where it says that, that he looks for believers he searches for believers. And I just had this thought as I was reading that, if Paul came to Estero, how long would it take him to find me? What about the calendar and the pattern of my life would distinguish me as a follower of Jesus? I want to make sure that not any part 
of this would ever be received in legalism because God set us free from this place of, of what he refers to and Paul calls the curse of the law, this legalistic place. It's not about legalism. It's not about, okay, give me the traditions and the boxes that I check. It's really about us opening our hearts saying, God, I want to know you. I'm searching. Lord, I need more of you. Would you fill my life afresh and anew? Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. I, I don't, guys, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read this. I don't think I put this in my notes, but Colossians 3, or excuse me, Colossians 2, verse 13, says this. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took, away, took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Verse 16, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or the new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality which is to come, and Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they've had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Listen to these words. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about the things that deteriorate as we use them. They may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Paul makes it clear. He, he says this isn't about adopting somebody else's schedule. I, I want us simply to, to open our, our hearts and say, Jesus, you are the practice. You are the belief. And what does that look like? Where do you want to lead me in 2023? What does it look like for me to follow you in a way that my life is changed and shaped into the image of Christ for the benefit of others? Because that's what I want. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? As we do each week, I simply invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are the places that he's inviting you to know him and to know his strength and to know his power? Because if we will meet him in this moment and open our hearts to him, his promise is true, we'll never be the same. So, Lord, I simply pray courage over every heart. God, I pray 
that this fresh place of beginning a year would be met by an openness to your spirit, to your heart. We welcome you, God. Lord, we welcome you. Lord, we want to live like it's all real. We want to live like it's all true. Lord, open our eyes to, Lord, the darkness around us. Open our eyes to the the desperate need of the light of Jesus that is surrounding us. Lord, our families are desperate for for what you alone can bring. Our friends are desperate, our co-workers. And Lord, you've chosen to partner with your people to be a hope. So Lord, we say here we are. Would you move in our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information or if you'd like to connect with us, visit OceanChurch.com. We love you and hope you join us soon online or at one of our campuses located in Southwest Florida.